You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. In heaven and hell. How can you believe in heaven and hell? Today's message, today's message, tonight's message might feel like a lecture. It, it, it might feel like you're in a seminary course. It, it, it may feel like a deep dive into the concept, into the conversation of heaven and hell. And here's the thing. Here's what's interesting to me. This is a conversation that our culture is having. I mean, it's almost like every single movie that comes out is some kind of superhero movie where we're not just talking about what's happening in the natural world, but we're talking about what's happening in the super world or in the supernatural world. I just got this thing I'm super excited about. You guys all know um, now that I'm bald, right? So now that I'm bald, I'm saving so much money on haircuts, right? Like I don't have to go get a haircut. I just kind of do my own little haircuts. So I'm saving enough money that I went ahead and I got myself the uh, AMC A-list movie pass. Has anyone ever heard about this? Okay. You guys, I'm a big fan. I, I, I really spend my time talking about Jesus, my kids, and AMC A-List. Like, it's my passion, right? So I'm going to all these movies. And I'm telling you, every single movie, I just saw Black Adam, right? Anybody seen Black Adam? Raise your hand if you've seen Black Adam. You probably shouldn't. Anyway, just saw Black Adam. Every single movie that's coming out is dealing with the question of supernatural power, dealing with the question of superhero power, the conversation is happening culturally. Is there such thing as an afterlife? Is there something after this? And here's the thing. Here's what's so unique. We are asking this question as a unique species amongst all the other species, right? Like, giraffe don't sit around going, I wonder what happens when we die, right? Like, walruses aren't trying to figure out the existential reality of what happens to our bodies once we pass away. This is something unique that humans are wrestling with. And I love it because the very fact, the very fact, maybe just to even answer this question on the outset, then we're going to go deeper into it. How can you believe in heaven and hell? I would, I would ask you this question. Why do you think you're asking the question whether heaven and hell even exist? What, what is it that leaves you thinking, hmm, there's got to be something more than what I'm just experiencing right now? The biblical answer for why you and I are even asking the question, is there anything beyond this life, is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. And from here, y'all, we are getting in the fast lane. We are blitzing through this content. So stay with me, take notes, and then you're going to have some good conversations in life groups. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The biblical answer for why you and I even are asking the question, is there an afterlife? Is there something beyond the grave? Is because God has put that curiosity within us. That unlike any other species on planet Earth, God has put a desire within the human heart to ask the question, 
So some of you wrote down in the survey or in the next steps uh, checkbox that we did last Wednesday, some of you, in fact, a number of you wrote, I want to learn how to share my faith with my friends. I want to know how to tell more people about Jesus. You know what's a great strategy for those of you? I think there are, in fact, about 12 of you that check the box. Hey, I want to tell my friends about Jesus. I don't know how. Here's a great place to start. Ask them what they believe happens after they die. That's a great conversation starter. Maybe even ask the question, have you ever wondered what happens after you die? And why do you think you're even wondering that question? The Bible says you're there, you're thinking that, because God set eternity in the human heart. Here's our first big idea for tonight. We were made for a person and a place. Every single person on planet Earth was made for a person and a place. That person is Jesus, and that place is heaven. Heaven is not just a figment of our imagination. It's not just some mythical idea. It's not just an element that shows up in some of these supernatural superhero movies. Heaven, and as I'll argue, hell, are very real places. But you were made. You were made for Jesus. And you were made for heaven with Jesus. Big idea number two is this. God doesn't unjustly send anyone to hell. I don't want to hear ever again, I don't want to hear anyone say, how could God send somebody to hell? God does not send people to hell. God allows people who reject him to go there. It's very different. God doesn't send people to hell. God allows people who reject him to go there. So here's the three questions we're going to wrestle with. Number one, are heaven and hell real places? Number two, what will we do in heaven? And number three, how can I make sure I experience heaven? So first, let's talk about are heaven and hell real places? We're going to talk about heaven. Are heaven and hell real places? Randy Alcorn, who wrote this ginormous book. In fact, if you're a reader, you got to pick up his book. He wrote this book called Heaven. It's literally taking all the verses in the scripture that talk about heaven, putting it in a concise volume, answering every question you have about heaven. And so if you've got questions about heaven, this is a great resource. Randy Alcorn says this. Too often we've been taught that heaven is a non-physical realm, which cannot have real gardens, cities, kingdoms, buildings, banquets, or bodies. So we fail to take seriously what scripture tells us about heaven as a familiar, physical, tangible place. And so I told you we're going in the deep end. There are three stages to understanding heaven and earth. The first first stage is perfect earth. The second one is the fallen earth and the present heaven. And then the third is the new heaven and the new earth. So whenever we're talking about heaven and earth, we have to think about it in these three different biblical categories. Stage one is this. We're going to talk about the perfect earth. Stage one is the perfect earth. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This was perfect earth. We don't live there anymore, but this was perfect earth. God created Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect relationship with him. Earth and heaven were one connected with God. But as we'll see, as we'll see, stage two, part two of this, is things didn't remain perfect. 
The stage two is what we're calling the fallen earth. And then we'll talk about the present heaven. In Genesis chapter 3, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God. Why did they hide? Because they sinned. God created Eden perfectly for his people. But he put one tree in there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, if you eat from this tree, you will die. I'm warning you, I'm telling you in advance, God always speaks the truth. He says, if you eat from this tree, you will certainly die. And some of you really bright students, you've asked this question, why would God put a tree in the middle of the garden that if they ate from it, it would literally destroy everything? Why did God do that? Is God mean? No. God is so loving, and he respects you so much that he never wanted to force himself on you. He never wanted to require you, to force you, to control you like a robot and make you love him. He wanted to give you the choice. And so God has given you and I the choice, just like he gave Adam and Eve the choice. He said, I've created all of this for you to enjoy, but there is a tree in the middle of the garden. If you want to rebel against me, if you want to reject me, there is a way out. Because if God didn't give us that option, if God didn't give you and I an option to reject him, then we could not actually choose him. And so when there was perfect earth, Adam and Eve sinned. They rebelled against God. They trusted in their own desires more than they trusted in his word, which that's what sin is. Sin is trusting your own desires more than you trust his word. I'm going to say that again. Sin is any time in your life that you trust your desires more than you trust his word. And what happened is that sin fractured everything. Sin fractured our relationship with ourselves. It fractured our relationship with creation. It fractured our relationship with each other. It fractured our relationship with God. Peter said in 2 Peter, for by the same word, the present heavens and earth. Now heavens there is talking about the stars. So the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But then scripture talks about this present heaven. So if there's a perfect heaven where Adam and Eve are living in the garden in perfect relationship with God and each other, the fallenness of our own sin creates this chasm between heaven and earth. And maybe some of you have wondered, what, where is like my, my grandma who's passed away and loved Jesus? Where's that person that I really care about who, who loved Jesus, who passed away? Where are they right now? Scripture would suggest that they're in the present heaven. Look at this passage in, uh, in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. You can read it on your own. But essentially, we see there's five qualities of the present heaven. In this text, in Revelation chapter 6, it's before the new heaven and the new earth. It's before um, uh, God has renewed all things. It's before the new heaven and the new earth. And we see that there's people in heaven. We see that when Christians die, they relocate to this present heaven. We see that they're intelligent, that they're emotional, that they're able to express themselves. We see that in the present heaven, they're able to talk with God and even learn new things. We see that those in the present heaven, those that, have, that are followers of Jesus, 
who have gone to be with the Lord, that they're knowledgeable about earth's events and that we will have bodies. When it talks about these souls having robes, it, it demonstrates that there's bodies. D.L. Moody, he said, soon you will read in the newspaper that I am dead. Don't believe it for a moment. I will be more alive than ever before. And so I believe you can, you can be confident that for those people you know who love Jesus, who have passed away, that they're in God's presence. And we live right now in the fallen earth and the present heaven. That we live here on this fallen earth and the present heaven exists, but this is not the end of God's plan. That stage three is the new heaven and the new earth. And they're always going together, the new heaven and the new earth. First Thessalonians says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, this is important. Paul here does not say that we will be in the clouds forever. He says that we will be with the Lord forever. And so there's this, there's this image in 1 Thessalonians of as Jesus is returning, that we go to be with God. But then look at what happens in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then Peter says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Randy Alcorn says, the eternal heaven will one day be centered on the new earth. And to picture it, you don't need to look up to the clouds. You simply need to look around you and imagine what all of this would be like without sin and death and suffering and corruption. This is a beautiful image. And it's a biblical image. And for so many of us, we've grown up thinking heaven is like our, our souls like go to this cloud. Like how many of you have seen Soul on Disney Plus? Anyone seen Soul? Honestly, I love that movie. Like, it's so, it's cool, it's cool, right? But that's kind of the picture. Is like, man, my soul's gonna float up and I'm gonna be doing like the jazz thing. Like, I'm gonna be kind of floating in the sky. The biblical picture of heaven is, is people renewed, restored, those who are followers of Jesus living in the new heaven and the new earth here. And so it's almost like this place, but magnified beyond what we could ever fully imagine. But the second part of that question is not just is heaven a real place, because it's clear in the Bible it is, but is hell a real place? C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain said, there is no doctrine which I would more willingly remove from Christianity than hell if it lay in my power. 
but it has the full support of scripture and especially of our Lord's words. It has always been held by Christendom and it has the support of reason. Hell actually makes logical sense. Hell makes logical sense. Look at what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to you as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And this does not please God. This does not, as we're going to see in a few verses later, this does not make God happy. But the reality is it does not make sense for somebody, for a person, living their life here on planet Earth to make a decision. I do not want to follow Jesus. I do not want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I do not want to submit to Jesus. I do not want to spend time with Jesus. It does not make any logical sense for that person then to be forced to spend an eternity with him. And and sometimes when we think of heaven, we're like, oh man, it's just going to be like surfing all the time or or it's just going to be the fulfillment of all my desires. As we're going to see later, heaven is about Jesus. Heaven is about worshiping Jesus with our life. It's about connecting with the body of Christ that at the very center of heaven is Jesus. He's the king of heaven. And so if somebody, maybe you in this room, you don't want to spend time with Jesus right now, why in the world would you want to spend time with him for all of eternity? Second thing I want to share about hell is this. Hell is where Satan, demons, and those who choose separation from God will go. Peter continues, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. Third thing I want to say about hell is this, hell will be devastating and full of regret. Hell will be devastating and full of of regret. This is Jesus speaking here in Matthew 13. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. Now remember, this is not necessarily about our works. The wicked are those who have rejected Jesus. The righteous are those who have received his forgiveness and salvation. So please don't misunderstand this, thinking, man, I've got to do a bunch of things to earn heaven. No, no, no. Heaven is God's free gift. It cost him everything. It's free to you. And if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, that you'll spend eternity with him. But those who have not made Jesus the Lord of their life, it says there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And and we've probably all seen lots of video clips or pictures of like Satan with like this horns and a tail. And like, I mean, so much of that stuff is just made up. But as you read scripture, what becomes clear is hell is the complete separation from God. That everything good, everything enjoyable, that life and breath itself that are gifts from God, 
are completely absent in hell. But I also want to say this about hell. Hell is God's last resort. Hell is God's last resort for people who don't want to spend forever with him as their Lord. Look at what Peter says again. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is so patient with us. He gives us opportunity after opportunity. He gives us grace after grace. That, that at any moment, because you and I sin, when we sin, remember it's trusting my desires over trusting God's word. At any moment, God could say, okay, enough. But he didn't. He sent himself. He died on a cross and rose from the dead just to make a way for you to be in relationship with him. And he will continue to forgive you and show you and give you opportunity after opportunity to accept him. And the beautiful thing is that for so many of us in this room, there were times in our lives where we were running far from God. There were so many times, you guys, my mom's in the back, by the way. Can everyone say, hi, Vicki? That's my mom in the back. There were so many times growing up, I grew up in a home where we went to church, where we talked about God. And during my junior high years, I was keeping so many secrets from my parents. I was lying about so much stuff. I was smoking weed. I was drinking. I was doing all kinds of just rebellious, crazy things. And yet my parents continued to love me. God continued to love me. Jesus continued to pursue me. And I was experiencing some hell on earth, even though all my friends and everyone was saying, that's awesome, that's fun, that's what life is about. It was hell on earth. And if you're doing any of that stuff, you know what I mean. That there are moments when you're participating in some of that stuff that you feel connected to other people, but you know what it's like to go to bed that night and to feel horrible, to feel dead inside. God is so patient with us. It reminds me of, I, I, I've told so many of you this story before, but I just love it. It's, it's an awesome story. My, um, my daughter, Brinley, my, uh, I have Charlie, who's 10 now, and then Brinley, who's eight. Um, Brinley just says anything that comes to her mind, right? Anything that comes to her mind. And she um, is so passionate. And when she gets in a bad mood, like many of us do, when she gets in a bad mood, she wants to let you know. I mean, she's going to make it clear, I'm just not in a good mood right now, Okay. And, and sometimes one of the ways she lives that out is if we're all excited about something and she's in a bad mood, she wants to make it clear she's not excited about that thing, right? So the other, a few years ago, we were driving home. All six of us were in the car and, and Charlie and Brindley were still awake. And we were talking, Sarah and I and Charlie and Brindley were all talking about heaven. And we're talking about how excited we were to be in heaven with Jesus, how awesome it was going to be. But Brindley had been having a horrible day and she was so upset and frustrated. And Charlie said, Dad, I can't wait to go to heaven. It's going to be amazing. And then Brinley said, I don't want to go to heaven. And then she literally said this, you guys. She said, she said I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to the other place. It's literally what she said. And I thought it was so funny, you guys. I was laughing so hard because she has no idea what she's talking about. But you know what? God continues to show her grace. Even as a little girl, she said something crazy like that. God continues to love her. We continue to love her. And in the same way, God has shown you and I and continues to show us so much grace because it's his last resort. It's his last resort to allow people to spend all of eternity separated from him. In fact, look, listen to God's heart. 
Ezekiel chapter 18. God speaking. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the sovereign Lord? Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? Listen to God's heart. I mean, he's speaking about when an evil dictator dies, he is not pleased. His heart is grieved. Because anytime any of us run away from him and choose to reject him with our lives, it breaks his heart. You see, friends, hell was not a part of God's original creation. And its very existence grieves his heart. I really really feel like what Randy Alcorn said in his book was very sobering for me. And hopefully this encourages you to follow Jesus and encourages you to continue on, especially if you're having a hard time right now. Randy Alcorn said, for Christians, this present life is the closest they will come to hell. For some of you where life is really, really hard and painful, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the closest that you and I come to hell. But for unbelievers, for someone who rejects Jesus, this present life is the closest they will come to heaven. The second question, we're gonna wrap up these last two rather quickly. The second question we wanna wrestle with is this, what will we do in heaven? For those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, which I hope all of you would, what will we do in heaven? In heaven, you will have your earthly name, a new name, and a renewed body. Why do I say you'll have your earthly name still? In Matthew chapter 17, verse 4, Peter said to Jesus at this transfiguration scene where where all of a sudden Moses and Elijah show up who've been dead for a long time now. They show up in this crazy moment and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, which is, I mean, Peter's just losing his mind right now. He's literally seeing Moses and Elijah and he thinks he can build like, like, I don't know, like a little tent that they're gonna like hang out in. That doesn't make any sense. But what I see here is that Moses and Elijah are called by their earthly names. Even though they're in heaven, they're called by their earthly names. But then we're given a new name. Look at what it says in Revelation 2. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. So not only will we have our earthly name, but we'll have this new name that Jesus will give us. And then we will have renewed bodies. So all the, cha- all, the, all the parts of our bodies that are corrupted by sin, that are broken because of the reality of our broken, fallen earth, we will have renewed bodies. In Job 19, it says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. So heaven is not just this kind of, we're these disembodied souls kind of floating around, but Job is literally picturing seeing him with his own eyes. And then look what it says in Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So the picture of heaven is not that you and I necessarily receive like a new body, 
Like, like here on earth, I'm like five foot nine. You guys, when I got my driver's license, when I got my driver's license, I was five foot two and like 98 pounds, okay? Five foot two, so I looked like a 10-year-old, and I was driving around, right? When I get to heaven, it's not like I'm gonna be this like eight foot like baller, like, what's up, y'all? Like, that's not, no. It, the, the picture is that what heaven will be is our, our bodies renewed and restored in God's perfect design. John Piper, he, he said this, the old body will become a new body, but it will still be your body. There will be continuity. God is able to do what we cannot imagine. The resurrection is not described in terms of a totally new creation, but in terms of a change of the old creation. So with, with our earthly name and our new name and our renewed bodies, what will we do in heaven? In heaven, and again, we're just trying to root our understanding of heaven and hell according to God's word. In heaven, we will serve Jesus, we will see Jesus, we will reign with Jesus, and we will enjoy friendships that honor Jesus. Revelation 22 says, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. You guys, I find so much comfort in this. You know, right now, like we're living by faith, right? Like we can't physically see Jesus. We feel Jesus. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. We can have confidence in our faith. We experience him. We've seen him move and do powerful things in people's lives. But we haven't seen him face to face. And so today, right now, we're living by faith. And I take great comfort in this glorious moment that every one of us will experience if we're followers of Jesus. And it's this, one day you will see Jesus face to face. That one day it won't be faith anymore. Faith gets replaced with face, right? Like it replaced with face. Like you will see Jesus face to face and will serve him. And we'll be more alive than anything else. And then it says that we will reign with him. Do you know that Jesus is going to give you responsibilities? He's going to give you leadership. He's going to give you opportunities in heaven to reign alongside him. Randy Alcorn says there will be lots to explore, things to build, relationships to develop, and purposes to fulfill. And it will be all more, and, and it will all be more enjoyable than any measure of happiness we have ever experienced before. You guys, eating a blade of grass in heaven is gonna be like the most amazing New York prime rib steak you could. Josiah, the, the, the best tofu you've ever had, brother. The best tofu that Costco could make for you. Like, it's going to be the best. It's going to be the absolute best. And so I want to close with this last question. How can I experience heaven? Nobody accidentally ends up in heaven or hell. Nobody accidentally ends up in heaven or hell. Heaven 
will be an ethnically and culturally diverse place full of people who trusted Jesus with their lives. Scripture is clear there will be massive diversity in heaven, but it will not be full of people who got there because they voted Republican or Democrat. It won't be people who got there because they donated a lot of money to something. It won't be people who got there because they did a bunch of good works. The thing that unifies us in heaven will be that all of us got there because we trusted Jesus and Jesus alone. There's nothing we could do to earn our way to heaven. It is merely a gift from God. It's why Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The singular pathway, and this is an incredibly unpopular message in our culture today, but the truth of God, the truth in his word is this. There is only one way. There are not multiple ways. There is only one way to be in a relationship with God and to experience heaven for all of eternity. And that one way is through a relationship with Jesus. Friends, it is God's responsibility to make it possible for you to follow him. What you do with that invitation is your responsibility. God has taken the responsibility to make it possible for you to follow him. But because he loves you and he respects you and he's not interested in forcing any of you to follow him, what you do with his invitation, that's your responsibility. And so I hope tonight, maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna encourage you to talk with your life group leader about that afterwards. Maybe you still have some more questions about heaven, about hell. And we've got questions for you at the very end of that. And you've got 35 minutes. I want you to get into your life groups. And my hope is you jump immediately into the conversation, wrestling with some of these big questions. Because this topic, this topic matters.